You're listening to sermon audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Our sermon text for this morning comes from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, and 4, 1 through 4. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our own ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer released to you. You have killed the source of life, whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. While they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. This is God's word. Good morning, church. You guys all know him. I'm Aaron, one of the pastors. We're continuing in our, our series in the book of Acts. As, as you know, we're in chapter 3 now. Um, just a, a quick you know, recap of, of where we've been the last, the last few weeks in the first couple of chapters of Acts. In the very beginning, Jesus has, has been resurrected. He's about to ascend. And um, he gives the, the promise to his disciples. And, um, you know, verse, verse 6, they, they ask... You know, is, are you restoring the, the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said, it's not for, not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set. But he gives them this promise that, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Beginning of chapter 2, we see that promise come true, that, that the Holy Spirit comes in power. Remember, he came visibly, audibly, um, like a sound like a rushing wind, and he, he drew all these people in, this crowd, that had come from from nations in, in every direction. 
And the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to, to speak in different tongues, to proclaim the, the magnificent acts of God. And many people were, were pierced to the heart, it says in verse 237. And they, they asked Peter, what, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized, each of you. And many repented and, and believed and were baptized. And said so the number grew to about 3,000. And then Luke gives us some of those key characteristics of, of that church, of that early, those early believers, those early disciples, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayer. And we're kind of moving into this new section, focusing in on the, the church in, in Jerusalem here in chapter 3, focusing in on, on Peter and, and John and kind of what defines them, what defines this, this new church. You know, it says in, um, uh, what verse is it? Oh yeah, verse 243. It says, everyone was filled with, with all many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. So there's, there's many wonders and signs, so it's got to be important that, that Luke picks this one to, to add to, the, um, to his book. This is a, an important story uh, because it shows what the, what the church cares about. It shows that, you know, Peter and John aren't, aren't thinking in some kind of corporate business like, what, how can I, you know, make the most impact on these 3,000 people that have just come? Instead, they don't ignore this, this lame man that's outside the temple. It shows that, that everyone is, is valuable in the kingdom. Everyone is welcome. It shows that the Holy Spirit has power, particularly through the name of Jesus. See that his name, by faith in his name, his name has made this man strong. So the Holy Spirit works through Peter and John. He shows his power, especially through the name of Jesus. And we see through Peter's sermon that that we are all guilty of, of sin. We all need to repent. But part of the power of the name of Jesus is that he is our Messiah and he makes a way for us to, to be part of the kingdom. When we see that, that power, when we see this healing, when, when we hear the, the truth about the gospel, we have to respond. So there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff in this text, and I'm going to pray and ask for the Lord's help for us to um, just hear from him. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we get to spend together studying it and that you have enabled us to, to understand it. I pray that you would illuminate it for us today and help us to see the truth, see the magnificent acts of, of you and that we would follow you, we would repent of our, our sins and, and participate in your mission, Lord. We love you. We're so thankful for your kindness to us and so thankful for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. All right, so jumping into this, this first section, the healing, we see in this section that anyone is, is welcome. Everyone is valued in the kingdom of God. You know, we've, we've just seen thousands of people come to faith. And Peter and John aren't distracted by, by that. They're just continuing on in their, their faithful life, going to the temple, ready for the, the Lord to work. And we see that the, the Holy Spirit is able to, to show through Peter and John that, that everyone matters. You know, it doesn't, this lame man doesn't, doesn't have anything 
in his own strength that's, that's worthy of, of the kingdom. But he is, he is valuable just because he is created in the image of God. So we see in these first couple of verses that the, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating this. He, he brings together Peter and John and, and this lame man together at, at this perfect moment so that God's glory can be displayed. Verses 1 and 2, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. This is one of the busiest times at the temple. You know, typically they would, devout Jews would go early in the morning for morning sacrifice in the afternoon and in the evening for a sacrifice and, and a prayer. And so this is one of the, the key times. You know, it seems like Peter and John are just doing kind of what they normally do. They're, they're going to the temple at one of the times that they're supposed to. And this lame man, it seems like he's kind of doing his ordinary thing. You know, it says he's, he was carried there to the place at the gate, temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. You know, it says that um, he was placed each day there. So he's, he's always there every day at, the, at this gate. Peter and John regularly go up to the temple. But this time is, is special. This time is, seems like an ordinary thing, but it's, it's actually ordinary. You know, as, as I said, that this, this time, three in the afternoon, is, is one of the busiest times in the temple. You know, if you um, get on Google Maps and you pull up a place, it'll, it'll tell you how busy it is. All right, this is going to be like, it's going to say as busy as it gets right there. So this is the perfect time for the Holy Spirit to display his glory. This, this gate, they don't know exactly where it was. It, um, there's some disagreement. It could be over on the east side as people are coming from outside the city would come in. Um, that gate is it's called Nishan, I believe. Um, but some, some people think it's over on the west side where people coming from the city, from Jerusalem, would come up to the temple. And there's this, this beautiful, beautiful gate made of Corinthian bronze. Um, and many, many people from Jerusalem would be coming into the gate there. And so this is prime real estate for, for this beggar, that, that many people would be coming and their hearts would be prepared to, to be generous. You know, they, as they're going to worship in the temple, their hearts are, are tuned to how they can serve God. And so this is kind of the, the perfect time for this man to, to receive gifts from, from people. And it's also the, the perfect time as, as Peter and John are, are coming. So a little application for us is just like Peter and John are, are being faithful and, and doing their regular thing. This moment, the Holy Spirit uses it in a, in a particular way. You see that the Holy Spirit is, is orchestrating Peter and John to come together with this lame man. And so, you know, we can ask the question of our own life, like how, how is the Holy Spirit at work? Who is he bringing us in, in contact with? So that we can have our eyes tuned to that. So he's bringing them together, and he shows that, that he welcomes anyone to the kingdom of God. The next few verses it's key that that even though this man is is lame and he doesn't have anything to bring 
to God himself. God comes to him through Peter and John. So verses 3 through 6, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. You see that, you know, the um, Peter and John were about to enter the temple. They, they weren't in the temple yet because this, this lame man, he's not welcome in the temple. In Jewish law, if you're lame, if you're defected, if you're, you're blind, you're not welcome into the temple. It's a reminder for us that in our own strength, we're not good enough to, to come to God. And even though this, this man is, is outside the temple, Peter and, and John show that he has value. You know, Peter looks straight at him and says, look at us. You can imagine that the, the man, is, he's asked for money, he's, he's done this hundreds, thousands of times. People are walking in, he asks for money, he asks for money. Even the, the verb tense there is, is this ongoing kind of thing. It's, you, can, you can hear the difference of, you know, like a, a close the door. It's just a kind of one-time thing done versus I was putting my kids to bed. If you have kids or if you ever put kids to bed, you know it's a long, drawn-out process. And so this, this verb tense of, of he was asking, he asked for money. It's this ongoing. He continually asked for money as people are walking by. He asked Peter and John for money, and he probably expected to, to be rejected as he had been hundreds, thousands of times, but this time is different. Peter calls out to him. He says, look, look at us. You can, you can feel the, the drama in this, in this moment. I would assume that this, this man, he's probably had people draw attention to how they give before. Look at, look at me, look at me, and trying to bring attention. Look at this generous gift I'm about to give this guy. And so he's probably expecting, you know, maybe, maybe a few days' worth of a provision, maybe a week's worth. From, from very generous people, but, but what Peter gives him is, is something far more valuable. Peter says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter sees the value in this man. He sees the identity. He's, he knows that he's created in, in God's image and he is valuable. We probably don't have the, the same kind of gift to give. We probably can't, you know, come up to, to somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Don't, we do have that, that power, but um, you don't see that very often. But what we do have is the gift of, of salvation to share. And so as we have opportunities to come to people and, and say, I don't have silver or gold, I, I can't make all your problems go away can't fix everything, but what I do have is, is Jesus. I do have hope. I do have salvation. And I want you to have that. So just like Peter took the opportunity to give what he had, we can take the opportunity to give what, what we have. So this man is, is healed. He's brought into the kingdom. He's welcomed. 
And this is astonishing. So this next section, the Holy Spirit astonishes. We see here with it, when the Holy Spirit works, you can't ignore it. You know, it said that this, la- this man was, was lame from birth. But even still, in verse 7, it says, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and as one, at once his feet and ankles became strong. This guy had never walked before in his entire life. And Peter pulled him up, and his feet and his ankles and everything was strong. He was able to balance. He was able to, to walk and, and jump and leap. Not only that, he, he entered the temple. He wasn't defective anymore. He was welcomed into the temple. So God gave him the gift of, of identity. He gave, gave him the gift of being welcomed into his kingdom, into the temple, and he showed it right there in his, in his present life. So naturally, his response is, is praising God. He jumped up and he started to walk. He entered the temple walking and leaping and praising God. One of, uh, one of me and Jess's favorite movies is, is Hitch with Will Smith and Kevin James. Kevin James is, is kind of this um, awkward guy and he falls in love with this celebrity, rich lady, Allegra Cole. And, um, and he's trying to, to woo her, trying to get her to love him and Hitch is helping him. And um, finally there's this moment where he has succeeded and, and he kisses her and he is so excited and he, he runs and he jumps and he twirls and it's funny because he's a little bit of a, a chubby guy and so um, it's funny to see him do like a you know ice skating kind of turn sort of jump clicks his heels together he's so excited that he has succeeded in in this relationship and I imagine that kind of that kind of ultimate joy in this man that he is he is jumping and leaping and, and praising God. How much more that this man has never walked in his life, has never been welcomed into the temple, and now he is. And he's causing a scene. Right? I'm sure there were you didn't often see Jewish men running and jumping in the temple. And so he's causing the scene. People see him. They see him walking and praising God. They recognized him. Like, I used to walk past that guy. What is he doing? How is he jumping? So it's astonishing. It brings this crowd in. As it says in verse 11, the, all the people utterly astonished ran towards them. And so this, this moment, it, it begs some, some questions, and, and Peter is, is ready to answer these questions. So it takes us into our next section, the sermon, as Peter preaches, and he shows that that Jesus is Lord. He is the name above all names, and he is the Messiah. He's our only hope for salvation. So these people are, are drawn in. They're asking, and Peter takes this opportunity, and he addresses the people. The first thing he says is, is why are you amazed at us at this? Why do you stare at us as though we've made him walk by our own power? You guys know that I'm a I'm a dad, which means that, that I have dad reflexes. 
many, many times that I've, I've saved my children's life from bashing their face on a table or um, spilling their apple juice everywhere, caught it at the very last moment. But I can't act like that's some amazing thing, right? I have to be like, why are you amazed at this? It's just who I am. I'm a dad. I have dad reflexes. Peter's the same kind of nonchalant. Why are you amazed at this? This is just God being God. This is just who he is. He connects with his Jewish people. You know, he says that the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus. He says that you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be released to you. You killed the source of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Even though Jesus was, was killed, as we read in Acts 2.24 a couple weeks ago, it was not possible for death to hold him. Death was not strong enough to hold Jesus down. God raised him. There's power in the name of Jesus that he showed by being resurrected. There's power in the name of God. You know, as we went through Exodus in the in the spring and we saw the iconic scene of, of Moses at the burning bush. And he asked God, as he's talking with him, he says, you know, if, if I go to the Israelites and, and they, they said, who, who sent me to you? What's his name? What should I tell them? And God answers, I am. I am who I am. You can tell them, I am has sent me to you. He's the God who is, the God who never changes. The God who always is, Yahweh. When the Jews were, would read the, the scriptures, when they would come to the, the name, Yahweh, they, they wouldn't even say it out loud. They would replace it with, with Adonai, with Lord. There's too much power in the name. But Jesus took that name on himself. One of my favorite scenes in the in the Gospels is in the book of John in chapter 8 as Jesus is, is talking with, with some of the Jews he said that you know before he said that Abraham rejoiced to see him to see his day and the Jews are like how, how have you seen Abraham you're not, even, you're not even 50 years old and Jesus says truly I tell you before Abraham was I am he takes that name on himself you can imagine if he's speaking in Arabic and I mean, not, not Arabic, Aramaic, Hebrew. He could say, before Abraham was Yahweh, I am. Taking that name on himself. And so the Jews rightly pick up stones ready to, to stone him because it's blasphemous unless it's true. Unless he really is God. He really is Yahweh. We read just a a few minutes ago in Philippians chapter 2 that, that Jesus has the name above every name. And he earned it. You know, it says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it says, for this reason, God highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reason that there is power in the name of Jesus is because he earned it by sacrificing himself. 
He fulfilled his mission. He was the only one that, that truly, on his own merit, was welcome into the kingdom. So there's power in the name, power to heal this man, and the power to save. He's the promised Messiah that made a way for us to be saved. Peter says, I know that you all acted in ignorance, talking to these these Jews just as your leaders did. And this way God fulfilled what he predicted that the Messiah would suffer. Even though we weren't complicit in in Jesus' crucifixion like this, we were still worthy of death and in our sin. We still need a Messiah. And we still have one. It's not too not too late for us to turn away from our sin. Even though verse 14 it says you, you deny the holy and righteous one. How many times have we denied the holy and righteous one? How many times have we said, No, God, I'm I'm good. I'm gonna do things my way. Even still we can repent can turn back. Listen to the these benefits of if we do, if we do repent. So that your sins may be wiped out. What a wonderful gift. Even my sins? Even even this, God? Even though I've I've done this exact same sin a hundred and fifty thousand million times? Yeah even that sin will be wiped out. Listen to this other gift. Seasons of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Repent and turn back so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Maybe you feel like you're in a little bit of a a drought. You're a little parched you can find a season of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Compare this with with what it would be if we tried to come in our own strength. If we came and we came to, to God and we said, welcome me into your kingdom because of what I've done, that's not going to be a, a season of refreshing. That'll be a season of judgment. But because Jesus made a way for us, because there's power in his name, and by faith in his name, his name can heal us, can welcome us. Through Jesus, we can have seasons of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. What a wonderful gift. We see that it's a, it's a fulfilling of, of promise. Down in verse 25, it says, You're the sons of the prophets, the covenant that God made with, with your ancestors, saying to Abraham that all the families on earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. So God promised to, to Abraham all those, all those years ago that through Abraham, all the families on earth would be blessed. And it starts here with the, with the Jews. And it's made its way to, to us. But our families can be blessed. 
We'll see it as we continue to go through Acts. We see that families are in Jerusalem are blessed, and then we'll see Judea and Samaria, and we'll see the ends of the earth being blessed through the descendant of Abraham, through Jesus. The Holy Spirit worked through Peter and John to heal this man so that the name of Jesus would be magnified. When we see that that power, we know that, that we sin, we fall short. We have to respond. So these last few verses, we see the response. When the Holy Spirit works, when the Holy Spirit shows his power, shows the glory of God, we can either respond by rejecting the truth, continuing to live in our own way, or by rejecting ourselves, following him. So these first three verses here in chapter 4, we see that the priests, the captain of the temple police, the Sadducees, they were annoyed. They rejected Jesus. because They were annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. <clears throat> Let's look at this a little closer. Who are the ones that are annoyed? It's the, the priests, the captain of the temple police, the Sadducees. These are the ones that are kind of have, have power in the, in the temple. The priests are, they're the ones that are teaching the people. The Sadducees are, are those that didn't believe in the resurrection, didn't believe in the afterlife. And so this, this message that, that Peter is giving, it, it goes against what they're saying. It's taking some of their gain, some of their power. You know, it says that they're, they're teaching the people, which the, the priests did. So they're, the priests are losing some of their audience. Right, they're proclaiming the resurrection of, of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. So they're taking some of the Sadducees' audience. And so they're annoyed because what they value in, in their life, in their power, in their strength, in their identity, it's, it's worth more to them than, than following Jesus. Peter and John, through the Holy Spirit, they weren't allowing the priests, the Sadducees, to continue in their own way. And so they had to reject what Peter and John were saying. But on the flip side, many of those who heard the message believed. Verse 4. The number of the men came to about 5,000. So you can reject, you can think that that your way of life is, is better or you can believe. You guys might have seen the the Capital One commercials where where they uh, they put this obvious choice out. One of them is a uh, some kids playing a pickup basketball game. The they're playing. Um, they got team captains choosing, and and it's all these kids like four feet tall, and then like Charles Barkley, six foot ten. And like the first pick, they're like, I'll pick Charles Barkley. That's an obvious choice. Just like this. Rejecting the message of Jesus, thinking that our way of life, thinking that what we can get out of our life is is better than than Jesus is an obvious choice. 
believing in him, knowing that being brought into the kingdom, being brought into the temple, into the faith, into the family, it's worth giving up anything in our life. It's a little simple. You know, it's not, it's not easy. We know that it's going to be costly. But it's simple. Just, just follow Jesus. You can be astonished at the way the Holy Spirit works. That Jesus really died on the cross. That he really died in front of hundreds of people. That he really walked out of the tomb. He really appeared to all of them after his death and, and taught them. And the Holy Spirit really worked through Peter and John to heal this lame man. Let's be astonished. And trust God and believe. A few applications for us as as we come to a close. Kind of focusing in on on these different characters. So what can we learn from from Peter and John? Right, we can learn that there's there's value in just being faithful to, to what you are, who you are, what you do. You know, Peter and John went to the temple as they often did they were faithful to follow God to to live for him so you know if you're whatever situation you're in if you're husband wife father child brother sister just be faithful in that be a good dad be a good husband be a good child another thing we can learn from them is not to overlook anyone. Right there, they're walking into the temple. There's this man sitting here, and they they didn't ignore him. Right, they showed that he had identity and, and value. Who in our lives do we have a tendency to ignore, to brush past, to overlook? Let's look for opportunities to to serve, how we can. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is, is orchestrating, bringing, bringing people together. Who is he bringing into your life that, that you can speak to, that you can bring truth to? We can learn from Peter and John to, to believe in the power of the name of Jesus. He said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Peter believed that, that Jesus' name had the power to heal this man. His name has, has the power to, to heal that man, and so of course he has the power to, to work through us. In our relationships with our, our neighbors, our, our coworkers, those that we come in contact with, he can, he can be a light through us. I think so many times we're, we're afraid of, of who God is and, and his way of life, and we don't trust him. We're worried that we're going to offend our LGBT coworker or neighbor. But God has the power to, to save. He has the power to heal and he has the power to, to work through you. We can also learn from, from Peter and John to, to be ready when God is, is at work. So as the Holy Spirit healed this man through the power of the name of Jesus, it drew this crowd in, and Peter was ready. Peter was ready to proclaim the truth. He even said in 
his letter to, to be ready to, to give a reason for the hope that you have. Like we have hope in Jesus. There'll be opportunities for us to share that. So let's be ready. We can also learn from this lame man. Remember, he, he was not welcome in the temple on his own, but, but he was right outside. He was basically as close to, to God as he could in his mind, in his way of life. So how can we get as close to God as we can? What does it look like? You know, even last week we talked about being devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. What does it look like to be devoted to God, to be as close to, to him as possible so that we can receive his, his gifts and, and be refreshed in his presence? I think one, one way to do this is, is to make sure our minds are, are tuned to, to God. You know, in Philippians 4, 8, famous verse, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. We know that, that God is, is all of these things. God is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, commendable. And when we see those values and other things, we know that the ultimate source of, of those things is, is God. Another thing we can learn from him is, is to let God use whatever we have. He didn't bring anything. He was just sitting there, but, but still... God used him. How much more that the Holy Spirit has gifted us to be used. So let's let God use whatever we have. And finally, we can learn from him to to praise God when he works. As he was healed, he, he jumped and leaped and praised God. So when we see God at work, when God blesses us, let's remember to attribute it to him. Let's not just think that, you know, the good things happen to us because of our hard work or something like that. Let's, let's thank God and praise him for, for when he works. We can also learn from, from the crowd, from these people. We can learn to, to be astonished when the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is, is still working. Let's be amazed. Let's be astonished when, when we see him at work. When we see him in our brothers and sisters, help them repent of their sin and, and follow God better. Let's be astonished when he works in our lives. And we can learn from the crowd to, to believe in him and join his mission. Verse 4, it says, or ch- chapter 4, verse 4, many of those who heard the message believed. The number of men came to about 5,000. So they believed and they joined in. Joined in the mission. Just like the the priests and the Sadducees that didn't want to lose their power, we would we'll lose stuff by following God. We're not able to to live the way that we want to live. 
We'll have to change it. We'll have to turn away from, from that, but it's worth it. It's not easy, but it's simple. Just come to Jesus. You know that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He is gentle and lowly in heart. He is always ready to welcome us, no matter what. Let's just go to Jesus. Let's pray.